areas of life where we're kind of in, we kind of give it an effort, we kind of give some energy toward it, but I don't know, maybe not. Have you ever thought about how many things would be incredibly horrible if the people who did them were only ishing it? (laughs) Just in sort of halfway? There's a ton of things that would really make our lives miserable. I was thinking just about the little commercial you just saw, and I was thinking about this, that can you imagine going to your doctor and looking on his wall and he had half a diploma? And he just said to you, hey, the classes were kind of boring. And so I went to half of them. And the ones I didn't really like, I just kind of checked out of. But how can I help? What can I do for you today? Or maybe you go in for a surgery and the doctor gets halfway through the surgery and gets tired and says, you know, I'm done. I'll just sew him up and we'll come back to this later maybe. I don't don't think I want to do all of the work today. Or maybe you take your child in for a checkup and the doc says, I'm only checking the left side today. That's all that's happening. Or I'm just doing the top half. That's it. That's crazy. That is crazy. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't put up with that. Or maybe you go to the dentist and he's going to do a root canal and he says, I'll give you half of the Novocaine and I'll give you the other half when it's done. No, there's no way you would do that. Or you go in for a cleaning and I'll do the top half, but not the bottom. Well, in our Christian life, often we ish it. In sort of halfway. And this morning, I want to start this conversation by talking to you about ishing the unseen. Ishing the unseen. I'm in sort of halfway with that eternal part, that internal part of my relationship with God. And I'm going to give them a certain section of it, but I'm not going to give them all of it. I'm only going to do just the parts that I enjoy. Just the parts that I like. But the rest of it, we'll see. Ishing the internal, the spiritual part of who I am. Would you just bow with me? And we're going to talk to God for a minute before we jump into this topic. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to look into your word. And God, I pray that it would be your word that we hear and not mine. I pray that your spirit would be free to touch my heart and the heart of each one that's bowed here. God, this is one of those subjects that often we don't spend much time thinking about. And so would you help us with that this morning? God, draw us to your son, Jesus Christ, and we'll praise you for it in your name. 
Amen. If you have your Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses in Mark chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 38. And I want to, I want to read some verses that, that may be common to some of you. You may have heard them before. Actually, if you were here a couple of weeks, Pastor Mike quoted a few of these verses in one of the sermons as he was finishing up 1 Thessalonians. But the struggle with these verses is that they're internal verses. Yeah, we read them externally, but they're internal verses. They deal with the unseen, the stuff that goes on in my heart. And unless someone spends a a large amount of time with you, unless somebody is with you all the time, and unless somebody is somebody that you really, 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 really trust, then there's no way for them to know what's really going on inside. They have no way to know whether or not this stuff that we're going to read, you're actually following through on. And here's the scary thing, is often you lie to yourself about this stuff. And we're good at it. We're really good at lying to ourselves. We're really good at telling ourselves we're somewhere that we're actually not, or we've done something that we've actually not done. Because we have great intentions, right? All of us have wonderful intentions on how we're going to allow God to work in our hearts and how he's going to change us and how we're going to be a different person because God is going to change who we are. And we want that so bad. And often we tell ourselves that that's exactly what's going to take place, but we don't follow through. And and we're in kind of sort of halfway. And so as I read these verses to you, I want you to think about your own spiritual life. Don't don't think about everybody else. I want want you to think about where you are with, with these verses. I want to read verses 28 to 31. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. They'll be on the screen as they already are. So one of the scribes approached. Now understand this. We're in the middle of a story here. And the guys are doing what they always do. They're, they're trying to trip Jesus up. They, they, they love the fact that, that they can come alongside Jesus as he teaches and, and try to throw things in to confuse the people and trip Jesus up and prove that he's not really who he's claimed to be. You see, Jesus has claimed to this point to be the son of God, to be God. And they're like, we, we don't want the people following this one Jesus. We want him to follow us. But this scribe comes in, and it's an interesting little interchange that's about to take place because he comes with the idea of tripping Jesus up. But, but deep down inside, he's asking a question that he really wants answered for himself. And you'll see that by the end of this little passage. He comes seeing that everybody's trying to mess with Jesus, but deep down in his heart, he's saying, look, I really want to know what it takes to believe what it is that Jesus is teaching. Ever been there where you go, look, I've heard all this, but I I really want to know what it takes deep in my heart to believe that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is and that he does exactly what he says he does. And that's where this scribe is. And so he comes to Jesus and he says this, When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love 
the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Jesus defines it very quickly for us in black and white and red, right? If your Bible is red letter, it's the words of Jesus. And Jesus very quickly defines what's super important to God. And that's what the scribes after. He says, hey, what is it? What matters the most to God? If we as human beings walking on this earth are struggling with life, what matters the most to God? And, and God says this. He says, I mean, Jesus says this. Love God completely. That's what he said. Love God completely. Now, I want you to know something that as he breaks these down, the first three that he's going to tell us, they overlap each other. And if you were to draw a, a diagram of them and put them on a piece of paper, you would see that, that they, the center of them is huge where they overlap. These all come together. And I'm not going to try to break them apart, but I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus starts with these first three to help us to understand what it means to actually love God. And he says this, I want you first to love God with your heart. That comes out of Deuteronomy. This, this, this statement does out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, by the way. So I went back there and I, I looked up the Hebrew and I found this out. And I'm not even going to go anywhere close to trying to say what it, the Hebrew is. But I found this. It means this. It means the middle or the core in Hebrew. And what Jesus was saying is this, that the middle, the center of you needs to love God. Love God with the center, the core of you. Now, immediately when I was reading that, I was trying to make that. How do we understand that? I mean, the heart is, is, is in there and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's off to one side, but it's beating. It keeps us going. Some of you have struggled with your heart and you know the feeling when your heart starts to go sideways or it starts to not work the way it's supposed to, right? What it does to your whole body. It has an effect on every part of you. And I was trying to think, what does that mean for us? And immediately I went back to playing hockey. And I got thinking about when I was playing hockey and I was learning to play defense, my defensive coach used to tell me all the time, Tim, when the guy's coming in on you and you're backing up, you're skating backwards and you're going back, don't watch his stick, don't watch the puck, don't watch his head, watch his center. Because wherever the center goes, everything else is going to follow. If his center, if his hips, if they start to move in a direction, you know that his whole body is going to end up going in that same direction. And if you watch those and you line those up, you got him. You can take him out. That's what we're all about. It's slamming in the board. Get him out of there, right? The same is true with us spiritually, folks. Where our core goes, guess what? The rest of you is following. That's where you're going. And so Jesus looks at these guys and he says, look, this commandment that's from way back in the Old Testament is still true today. The core of you needs to love God. Let me ask you something. Are you in halfway on your core? You're not sure which way you're going in your core? 
You've been playing games with your core. On the outside, you're telling people, hey, I'm all in. Jesus, yeah, Jesus, man, Jesus changed my life. But your core is out of whack and you know it. And internally, the conversations that you're having about your core are, hmm, I don't know. I think I'll do it my way for a while first. I think I'll see what happens. Jesus says, it's your heart, it's your core first. It all starts there. It's internal. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your core. Everything else is going to follow. And then he goes on and he says it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and then your, what? You tell me. Your soul. Your soul. What is your soul? Well, that's a great question. Do you know, I went back and did some research and I found this out, that for thousands of years, people have been trying to describe the soul. So I'm not going to give you what the soul is. I'm going to tell you this about the soul. The soul is the life center. Genesis says it this way in 2 verse 7, he says this, and God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils when he created man and man became a living soul. It's the breath of God that created the soul of man. He made man out of dust and he breathed the soul of man into him. That's what scripture tells us. And so somehow there's a spiritual piece to that soul that God created for us. And it breathes the very breath of life into us. And God says this. He says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, the core of your being. But I want you to love him with all of your life center. All of your soul. Dallas Willard said this about our soul. He said that your soul was made by God, made for God, made to need God, which means that you were not made self-sufficient. Without God, you're limited. You don't have enough. You need God to fulfill your soul. And that's why as a human race, we're searching all over the place for something to fill us up because we have an emptiness where? In our life center, in our soul. And that's why we try so many things, so many different ways, is because we want that life center to be full. God says the only way that the life center is full is when we focus our heart and our attention and our very being on God himself through Jesus Christ. Mark says this, what profit is it to a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? He's not talking about at death, folks. He's talking about right here and right now. That you search and you fill your life with so many things, but in the middle of filling it, you lose your very soul. There are some of us who are in this room at this moment who are chasing their soul. You're looking for meaning you can't find. And the reason is, is because you're in sort of halfway. Jesus is the life center. He fills your soul. So God says, Jesus says it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your core. Love the Lord your God with your soul, your life center. And then he goes on, and what's he say next? Love the Lord your God with 
your mind, all your mind, your thoughts, the ability to consciously think through what is going on around us. Now, some of us have left that aside for periods of time in our life. We are not consciously thinking about what's going on in our life. We're just living. And then we look back at a moment and go, what happened? It's because you weren't conscious. Sorry. It's because you stopped thinking about it. It's because you didn't give thought to what was going on in your life. And Jesus looks at these guys and he says, look, it's really important that your mind engages. Now, we're not talking about an intellectual assent that there is a God. Scripture tells us this in James, that even the demons believe that there is a God and they tremble. They know how real he is, but it doesn't mean they know him. And so this is not just an intellectual assent to the fact that there is a God. What he's talking about is this, is that I understand that Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin on the cross. I have given my heart and my life over to him because he's the one who owns me and he's the one who can make my relationship with God exactly what it ought to be. And so in my mind, I'm constantly saying, look, the answer to life's problems are found where? They're found in God's word by knowing God and relating to God. It's not simply a spiritual, intellectual assent that yes, there are spiritual things and yes, there is a God. It's an act of my mind to engage in a relationship with God himself. Now here's the problem. Often we get so caught up in life that we're in sort of halfway. Oh, I study scripture once in a while. I mean, this week I had an extra five. So I pulled it out. I read a little. Kind of engaged my mind. But I was really wrapped up in work this week. I was really wrapped up in football's getting ready to start. And man, that takes a lot of energy to to sit on the couch and watch that happen. Whew. Sorry. My kid's playing soccer. Mine are. Takes a lot of time and energy, and, well, God, you know, I'll engage with you a little later. And then hunting season's on, and, well, got to lug those tree stands. Got to spend a lot of time up high off the ground so those deer don't find me. I know I'm being silly, but guys, this is what happens with us in our mind is we know. And God says, look, I want all of your mind. And when I get all of your mind, all the other stuff starts to work out the way it's supposed to. But instead, as a Christ follower, I'm, I'm in sort of halfway. Romans 8, verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. I want to make this in today's language. For those who live according to their physical needs or desires have their minds set on their physical needs or desires. But those who have who live according to Jesus Christ, the Spirit, have their minds set on 
Jesus Christ, the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is, what? You say it. Death. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The very thing that we're searching for, God offers through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. The very thing that our soul desires so much, God says, I have it here. Just come be with me. But instead, I'm in sort of halfway. And then he finishes this by going from the internal to the external, and he says what? Love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then all of your what? All of your what? Strength. That's really physical, people. This isn't something that's out there that, that maybe we can grasp. What he's saying is this. Use your physical being to love God. Put feet on those thoughts that you have about who Jesus Christ is and walk them out in your daily life. Not just when it's convenient, but every day of your life, walk out the truth of Jesus Christ with all of the people that you live with. Take that strength that you're pouring into everything else in life and give it to God and honor him with it. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength. But as Christ followers, often we're ishing it. We're in sort of halfway. And, and our response on this one is, God, I've got a little bit of time once in a great while. I'll give it to you. God, maybe, maybe if the schedule lightens up. God, maybe I'll, I don't know, my wife and I'll have to talk about it. God, maybe when the kids go to college, I got time. Woohoo, the kids are in college. Let's go on the road, babe. See, that's exactly what happens. And God says, I want you to love me with all your strength. I want it to be tangible, I want it to be real. I want every aspect of your being. I want you all in. Does he leave any room here for question mark? You tell me. Is there any room for question mark? You don't want to say it. Is there any room for question mark? I read this. I didn't find any. I did not find any room. And so I'm sitting in my office and I'm studying this. I'm like, okay, I got it. Do you have it? Do you have it figured out? This is what he's saying. He's saying like all in. He's saying your heart, your soul, your mind, your, your whole body, everything. You got it? You in? You're not sure. I want you to notice the rest of the conversation that God has with this scribe. Look at verses 32 and 33. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, God. And there is no one else except him. And to love him with all of your heart and all of your understanding and all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself as far, is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, I know Jesus was relieved to know that the scribe said he did it right. Right? 
No, he wasn't. He already knew he was right. But the scribe gets it. The scribe looks at him, and this guy gets it. He goes, look, Jesus, you are completely, you covered it all. I get it. It's about me being in all the way. It's about me not issuing my eternal life with you. It's about saying yes to God with every aspect of my heart. And I get it. I get it, God. I get it, Jesus. You're right. You're right. You're right. And he gets it. And I think we do that too. I think I do this. I think we know enough of the word often as Christ followers where we turn back to Jesus and we say, yeah, Jesus, you're right. I get it. I know this is what you want from me. This is you want, want my heart to look like. I, I get it. Jesus, you're, you're so right. Your word is so right. This is the way I should live my life. I get it. I get it. And I even come to the end of this little passage where the guy says, look, I even understand, Jesus, that really what you want is my heart and you're not interested in my offering sacrifices or, or, or giving away certain things. It's, it's you want me. I get it. I get it, Jesus. And I really do. I think that there's often as Christ followers, and maybe even right now, that you're sitting in here and you're saying, yeah, Tim, I get it. And you've been saying it for a long time. Yeah, I get it. I, I get that that's what Jesus is after. But the next little phrase that Jesus uses in the next verse is really scary to me. Look at what he says. Jesus responds to this guy. And he doesn't say, thanks for telling me I'm right. He responds to this guy. And Jesus saw that he had answered wisely. And he said to him, look at this. You are not, what's the word? Far from the kingdom of God. He didn't say, you made it. He said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. That's a scary answer. It's cool in one, in one sense, because it's cool that the guy, this scribe, this religious leader, was trying to figure out what it meant to actually be a follower of Jesus Christ. But here's the, the scary part of Jesus' response, is that the guy didn't go far enough yet. And he doesn't tell us if he does. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that this scribe ends up becoming one of the followers of Jesus Christ. He doesn't tell us. He just, he just tells us that you're not far from the kingdom of God. He tells them this, that look, you've got the intellectual answer to the question, but it may not be that you're all the way in yet. You're struggling with it. You're trying to figure it out, but it may not be that you've, you've, you've given yourself wholly to God. You're not far from the kingdom of God. And here's the problem with us knowing all that we know is often we know intellectually, we know what it looks like, but we're only in sort of halfway. We're only in. We're ishing it. We're not quite there. We're not quite giving it at all. Let's pretend for a moment that you're the scribe. You and Jesus just 
had a conversation similar to this. You didn't go trying to trip Jesus up. You were just trying to figure out your relationship with him. You asked a similar question. Like, Jesus, how do I know that I'm, I'm all in with you in my faith? That the eternal, that the unseen part of me is okay with you. That was your question to Jesus. His answer would be the same. Tim, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Don't let there be anything else. That sounds really good. But let me be honest, it sounds really hard. It sounds hard to me for this reason. By nature, I'm a sinner. And by nature, I'm easily distracted. And by nature, I'm selfish. And by nature, I'm incredibly proud. And every one of those things work against what God is asking of me. Because what Jesus is saying to this scribe and what Jesus is saying us today is, Tim, you put your name in. You're not number one. I am. Have you been issuing your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he number one? Has he got your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. If you had this conversation with Jesus that we talked about, how would you answer him? What would you say? And how would he reply to you? Would he say like he did to this scribe, you're not far from the kingdom of God? Or would he say, you're all in. I can see it in your heart and your life. You're all in. Or would he look at you and say, you're a long way off. You're a long way off. Only you know what he would say. Only you know how he would answer it. And only you can change the answer. You can change the answer by giving your heart, your soul, and your mind to Jesus Christ. Father, would you grant us the strength to say yes to you? Would you grant us the ability to not ish our Christian life, to not sort of be in halfway, to not give part when it's convenient, but the rest of the time just do our own thing. God, would you lead us, guide us, show us your son, Help us as we live out this life to be the testimony of your greatness to those that are around us. In your name we pray, amen.
Thanks so much for being here this morning. If you want to chat with me more about the topic that we've been chatting about, I'll be up front afterward. Love to talk to you. Have a great week.